When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts that's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over ladies and gentlemen you are now entering the second big comics podcast starring mark claire and renzo martinez The Justice League of America, often known as the JLA, DC Comics' premier super team. It has taken many shapes, many forms, and we're going to be looking at one of those shapes and forms today in the form of the 1997, I believe it's 1997, relaunch of the Justice League of America from Grant Morrison, longtime comic writer. Uh, Before we talk more about Grant Morrison, before we talk more about the JLA, Of course, I wouldn't be able to do this by myself. I could, but no one wants to hear this 90 minutes of me rambling about comics when I could do so with my trusted sidekick, the rambunctious, the rambling man himself, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, what is happening? Welcome back. Assemble the league, bitches. And I'm I'm glad we're doing this episode the same week as the Snyder Cut release. Talk about synergy. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah. I didn't even realize that was happening. See? Accidental synergy. If you don't plan this energy, it's synchronicity, I believe. There you go. That's what I'm going to call it. So, yeah, there's some synchronicity happening here because uh, as Zack Snyder is relaunching his own vision of the Justice League film into a, is it a four-part or a six-part miniseries? It's a four-hour-long single-run movie. I thought they were doing it as a miniseries. They they were going to, and then they were just like, fuck it. Either watch it all or don't watch it all. <laughs> all right, psychos, here it is. Just take it. We know what you want. All right. Well, 
Uh, I, I know we discussed, uh, you know, to peek behind the curtain, I'm on a little bit of a, a shorter time frame today uh, as we record. So I said, let's keep the chit chat to a minimum. But that being said, uh, what would this show be if it weren't the, with the chit chat? So what? Wh- how do you feel about the Snyder Cut going in? Are you excited for it? Have you seen enough Justice League of the of this iteration from DC uh, from and from all of Zack Snyder's previous works from Man of Steel, uh, Batman v Superman? Or are you actually excited to, for this as something new? I know you're going to watch it three times regardless. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, I've had like a three month long erection since they put out the previews <laughs> at, a at, you know, DC's online thing way, way, way back in 2020. But I mean, he, here's the thing, whether you love man of steel, whether you love Batman versus Superman, Donna justice and all that stuff. The thing is that this man had a really great vision and it was going to have a lot of fan service and a lot of stuff that would close a lot of the loopholes set in those films and whether it's the best movie or not it's 20 million times better than the shit that we didn't put out in theaters and that's all i need to know it's hard to imagine it wouldn't be uh, i i'm i'm excited to see what he would have done with it or like what his vision was i i just think the bigger problem with that set of films was even if Zack snyder did everything the way he wanted i feel like the 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 setup is not matching the payoff. Like the fact that Superman dies in his second film, I didn't feel like that was enough buildup. I didn't feel like there was enough buildup to the Batman Superman friendship before Superman's death. I mean, by that, I mean they became friends with Martha, Martha, and then, Five minutes later, it's uh, a traumatic death, whereas earlier that day, Batman was trying to kill him. Listen, man, that Martha scene, people shit on it, but I I watched that scene. I I watched that scene when I watched the whole director's cut version, the only version, the ultimate version of uh, BVS DOJ. That version is better, I will say that. That version is better, and the Martha scene gets too much hate. But here's my thing. Mark, this movie's going to have a cameo from Chuck E. Cheese, Jesus Christ, Richard Nixon. (laughs) It's going to have the Beatles come back. Buddy Holly says is said to make an appearance as ghost. I mean, this film is going to have everything or nothing. But 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 in all seriousness, um, you know, the, the reasons why he left and what Whedon ended up doing with basically scrapping the film as somebody who is a content creator, somebody who I I will say I am I am an artist. I think that this man's vision should have at least been given its due. So whether it's the best thing ever or it completely sucks because it could potentially really suck. I am happy that the fans were willing to literally burn down Warner Brothers in order to give <laughs> Zack Snyder his due. Yeah, I think I think like you, I think I like what it represents more than it, it even matters what actually comes out of it. The fact that this exists is really speaks to the power of fans, the power of hashtags, the power of fan service. And we really live in a day and age where if you get enough fans excited about it and start a movement, you can actually make almost anything come into life. You can conjure out of the ether whatever you want to see. And in this case, um, fans around the world wanted to see Zack Snyder's full vision of this film play out. Um, and as much as the problems I think I had with the pacing and the issues that led up to, I, I think the bigger problem with Justice League was, was uh, of course, a portion of it is splitting the vision of two directors and Joss Whedon doing different things with it. But uh, I think it was just the buildup around the whole thing. And I don't think there's anything anybody could have done. I think it was at the, I'm not even blaming Zack Snyder. I'm blaming, you know, the executives. I think they, the, the way they laid out this, this set of films just 
just wasn't setting it up to ever really have the impact that it should have. Uh, at the same time, I think Zack Snyder had, like, I think a three or four movie vision here. And I don't know if we're going to get beyond that. I mean, if if the Snyder Cut is a success, maybe we will get a push for the Snyder Cut, too. I, I, read, I read the script. So the script is released online. It was actually my brother Ryan who sent it to me over on Instagram. And he was like, you have to read this nonsense. And it was his basic <laughs> outline of the script. And uh, let's just say, listen, things have worked out. It's going to be awesome. Just be happy that you got it and don't look past it because we've got a lot of awesome things coming out. I'm looking forward to Suicide Squad. I'm looking forward to a Black Adam, which nobody really talks about. The Batman. There's a lot of great opportunities. And the fact that it's 2021 and we're still hung up on Justice League. It's like, OK, let's let's get this and just hope that the actual main canon stuff going forward is good, at least. It's an opportunity for us to all just finally move on from this from this movie that I, I don't think this controversy has gone away since the original version of this movie first came out. So either way, we can now say Snyder's version exists. It's out there. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But at least it's there and we can all move on with our lives now. Yeah. Princess Diana's going to be it. George Bush, <laughs> a few dinosaurs, Winston Churchill, Alf, I, mean, I believe, makes an Alf, appearance. OJ Simpson, like it's gonna be great. I can't wait. Uh, I truly can't wait. Even, even like you said, even if it sucks, I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> that that's how I'm viewing. The My whole body thing. is ready. All right, well, that being said, we are going to look at now is not Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, but a Justice League from a gentleman by the name of Grant Morrison. This is the part of the show where I say, Ramzo, what is your experience? What are your thoughts going into this on Grant Morrison? Grant Morrison's Batman run and his subsequent run. I'm sorry, not his subsequent, but his later run at Batman and Robin were some of my favorite comics in high school. I think, uh, you know, like many of the authors that we've talked about recently, Alan Moore, um, Frank Miller, those types. He's an acquired taste, but ultimately my my feelings are fond. All right. All right. Well, that being said, I have most of my I have like Grant Morrison in um, in, you know, bunches and bits here and there. Uh, but my biggest memory of Grant Morrison, it's been overtaken by reading Final Crisis and Multiversity. And those they didn't make me dislike Grant Morrison. I still think he's a, f- a fine writer. That was some. Kind of, that, he's like he's like DC's Jonathan Hickman. There, that is the exact that is the exact way to put it. Yes. Drawn out and often confusing. But if yes. you want to pretend to be a smart comic book person, you say you <laughs> like them, or else you are ostracized and made fun of. If you want to see a comic book fan cram a reference to every comic he loved over the course of twenty or thirty years, then you'll love Grant Morrison. I'll put it that way. He is fan. He is fan service to himself at all times, and Best often that, that fan service overlaps with actual other fans. So uh, take that for what it will. But in this case, this was a relaunch of the Justice League in 1997, and uh, prior to this, uh, kind of throughout the 80s and 90s, really, the Justice League, the JLA, it took many iterations, but it was often, uh, even though it is the quote-unquote premier DC super team, it was kind of often sort of a, a ragtag group of lesser-known characters, plus usually one stalwart like they might have superman and then a bunch of b and c listers or they might have batman and a bunch of c and d listers um but it for a long time never really had the big guns and that was pretty much the emphasis behind this relaunch of the justice league uh this is bringing it back to being a true super team uh to have all the names that you know from dc comics all in one place to have your batman your superman your wonder woman your flash your green lantern your aquaman 
And in this case, uh, some would uh, some would argue whether or not he belongs in this elite group or not. Uh, but the seventh um, member of this team is the Martian Manhunter, who is probably not as known in the mainstream. I think the first six I mentioned, almost every non-comic book fan will probably have heard of. Whereas, as I don't know if Mar- Marvin, Mar- Marvin, <laughs> Marvin the Martian, if Martian Manhunter is quite on that level. But uh, for any comics fans uh, steeped in DC lore, he certainly is. What are your thoughts on Marvin? Mar- Why do I keep calling him Marvin? <laughs> This is like issues and episodes. You're showing showing your you're showing your age, Mark. (laughs) I know because Uh, I grew up with Marvin the Martian. Indubitably, I'm 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 a millennial, so of course my bread and butter was the Justice League animated series that came out in the early 2000s, and after that we had the oh so amazing Justice League Unlimited, which only stuck around for I think two three seasons. Um, with, With Martian Manhunter specifically, I feel like in the comics he's never really gotten his best shot, but he's really a character that. Um, you know, a lot of people are able to kind of latch on to and say, wow, th- this guy has something to offer. We see it in video games. We see it in animation. And there's a reason why so many people were so disappointed when he was taken out of this of, uh, of Justice League. He was in Snyder's version. So we're going to get to see him on screen. We already know who will be playing him. We've already heard some of his voice in the trailers. So when he wasn't actually in the Whedon theatrical version, Fans were a little bit pissed, but I will agree in the comics specifically, especially um, JLA, he he was always just kind of there. He's walking exposition, basically. (laughs) Indeed, walking exposition. He's like he's like a shape shifting version of the Watcher or he's like Maura McTaggart. He can be whatever you need him to be in the moment. I I always thought he was like their vision, but I think Red Tornado kind of took that, too. Fair enough. That's that's a reference right there. Red Tornado. He is one of the many like B and C listers that that kind of came in and out of the Justice League over the years, as did, you know, about 70 or 80 other uh, superheroes. But uh, this story starts off in the present, of course, the present being 1997 when this came out. And uh, I did actually buy this this relaunch series um, as it as it was released, uh, aging myself once again as a uh, a chippy 17 year old. At this point, I think I actually had like a job. I, I think I had like several jobs. So now I could actually I can actually spend some money on comics now. So I was buying a lot of stuff. This is like probably my prime uh, because I, I got into fanhood when I was 13 or 14, but, you know, pretty much didn't have much money to spend on it. But now, now I was making, you know, I was making some bucks, man. I I, could, I would go work at the Carvel, work a like six, six hour shift at maybe four bucks an hour. I'd walk out there with almost 30 bucks. $4 you know what, th- an hour. Oh, dude, this is, you want, this is like That's like pre nine eleven money, my bad. Yeah, this is nineteen ninety seven minimum wage, man. And I got paid in cash. I wasn't complaining. To me, it was a to me it was a ton of money. I, I was just like, you know how many comics I can buy with this? That's like fifteen comics I can buy with my day's work. That was huge for me. And yeah, I, I guess you can tell I wasn't dating much of the time because that is uh, what I went to go spend the money on was comics. But we don't need to go there right now. PSA for all the parents: get your kids addicted to comics, and they'll never buy drugs. Yes. Well, that didn't exactly work out. But. <laughs> Anywho. Well, but they might not see much action until, well, we don't need to go there. Anyway, yeah. the president, we're starting in the present with the president. The president is pissed off. The president is mad. He's annoyed. He has to go meet with El Presidente, he's calling him. So I guess is the president of Mexico, kind of racist there. And uh, he's pissed off because his, his superhuman escort is missing, who is apparently Firehawk. Uh, in 10 seconds or less, Remzo, what can you tell me about Firehawk? Firehawk doesn't matter. 
All right, thank you very much. Moving on. Uh, Firehawk, uh, the president's being told, uh, well, he pulled out of the position. He's no longer the president's personal bodyguard. Uh, something about something happened. Firehawk got sick, lost his powers. I don't know. That is a quote. Uh, and keep that in mind because we'll hear that. We'll hear things like this again in in the uh, in this book. Um, but uh, it turns out as the president is uh, flipping out because he has to go meet with the president of Mexico and probably just doesn't want to deal with that, uh, a giant UFO appears over the White House as one of his aides says, uh, there's something here you should see. And the president just says, uh, yeah, will somebody call the Justice League? That would be great. Uh, so uh, now it appears there are there is a version of the Justice League of sorts. Um, I'm not even sure who these people are except for Metamorpho. I'm not even sure who the other people are here. Uh, but I do know the character of Metamorpho. They're in some kind of U- other type of UFO, it appears, uh, kind of monitoring the situation. Uh, when uh, the big guy is on the case, they say, and the big guy, of course, is Superman. Uh, of course. So Superman shows up right uh, as these guys land, and there these little like there's these little like eggs that come out, egg type things that come out of the main spaceship. I should have mentioned at the top. This art is by Howard Porter, by the way, who's a pretty decent artist, if you ask me. Uh, I didn't want him to get too buried in the headlines here. There, um, but uh, yeah. So Superman is is there, just kind of saying, telling everybody to calm down. Of course, everyone's got their guns out, and Superman, as always, is the voice of reason. Uh, he's like, hold on, let's just let's just see what goes on here. And these guys emerge from uh, these eggs and they introduce themselves politely he's uh, the leader who is uh eh, he kind of looks like uh superman with uh like a yellow superman basically uh with like this kind of sun pendant around his neck but uh, i think he's supposed to be basically the superman of this group this is kind of a a a almost like a bizarro jla in some ways i, I don't think everyone else everyone is quite matched up with someone exactly but you do have this guy who turns out to be named zoom z-u-m i don't know if he's german or what but he's obviously uh the version of the flash there is some kind of female warrior type guess what she's a version of wonder woman etc etc so on and so forth um so these guys introduce themselves. They are Protex. This is <laughs> some name, man. Protex and the Hyper Clan. This is uh, also, I believe, a, a 70s uh, 70s disco group. Uh, but Protex and the Hy- Hyper Clan are here, and they are they have come to see to save the world. And they explain, you know, they were the last survivors of their planet, and they've just been patrolling the galaxy and just waiting to find a nice planet to help out. You know, just like any any nice aliens whose planet have has been destroyed would do. Uh, and uh, they may have. Apparently, they may have been traveling for up to a million years. So, um, yeah, these guys have been been going around here. But uh, Protex basically deal, uh, details their plan to save the world on live television here while Superman, while the, all the superheroes watch on. So we see the superheroes, um, like we see Green Lantern, who in this version of Green Lantern is Kyle Rayner. He's in New York. Uh, what do you know about the Kyle Rayner Kyle version of Green Lantern? Remzo, I'm going to toss a lot at you today. Kyle Rayner is the fourth major uh, Green Lantern from Earth. Five, if you count Alan Scott's the original. He came in after Hal Jordan was possessed by the yellow energy demon Parallax and went crazy and became a villain, ended up destroying the Justice League. Luckily, his ring, his ring specifically, went back to Earth and found young Kyle, who was a comic book artist, ironically, at the time, Mm -hmm. who always wanted to be a hero. And Kyle is one of those characters that was brought in to bring more youth and diversity, and they nailed it. He's got great personality. Uh, He's gone on to actually lead multiple major Justice League faction teams, such as the core with all the different lanterns and everything else red lanterns purple lanterns all that jazz kyle is definitely one of my favorites 
Yeah, um, I've always said Guy Gardner. I say it somewhat jokingly uh, that Guy Gardner was my Greenlander because I always did enjoy the character of Guy Gardner. But uh, if I have to pick a favorite, my favorite is John Stewart. Honestly, I just like everyone but Hal Jordan. I'm not a Hal Jordan fan. Yeah, yeah. Green Lantern is one of those characters that has many iterations where I actually kind of like them all. I think they're actually all relatively well done. Um, I mean, I, I, I found the character of Hal Jordan. It, it got into weird directions with the parallax stuff and everything like that. And then it, him, it depends who writes him. Yeah, it definitely depends. I, who writes I will him. say that, you know, when it's I Jeff like Johns, some. I'm yeah. all in. Oh, absolutely. Indeed. Uh, we'll get into uh, a lot of this stuff uh, you know, uh, later down the road in this podcast. We'll certainly be looking at everything involving Hal Jordan and, and Parallax, and uh, we'll look at Zero Hour Crisis in Time. I'm very excited about that. We're going to look at uh, the Green Lantern's return, I'm sure, at some point. We're going to be looking at all this stuff. So anything you we mention on one episode uh, and one little tidbit on the show is a potential and almost a definite future episode. That's Easter why eggs guys, galore. That's why you got to hit that subscribe button, my friends. You never want to miss anything. But uh, Protex is laying out his whole plan. And like I said, you're seeing the heroes. You got the Flash in Keystone City. Now, the Flash here is Wally West, the one true Flash, if you ask me. Uh, Hell was, yeah. Yes, I think I think we agree on that one. Absolutely. Uh, and, and now this is where, of course, I made a couple notes here. One, I said in capital angry letters, of course they speak English. I, it's just one thing that always bothers me with aliens, whether it's in comics or sci-fi or whatever. When the aliens just speak English, I, it just it just annoys me. It just always does. I don't know. I want to. I at least want some kind of like, oh, we've got this universal translator thing on, so now we can understand each other. At least tell me that or give me something. Don't just speak English. Why do you speak English? You've been traveling the galaxy. You just know our language. You know the one language on this planet. You know Chinese. Do you know Greek? Like what? I, nah. Anyway, I wish the whole world just spoke American. <laughs> American. Oh, we'll teach you to read many languages throughout One the course day. of this podcast. I'm excited. Um, so yeah, we see all the heroes, and now as Protex is laying his plan out here, you know they're they're basically laying out all the good things they're going to do. We're going to house the homeless. We're going to you know feed the starving. Uh, we're here at your disposal. We we have solutions. Um, one thing that occurred to me, and because especially because we we reviewed this very recently. If you recall the storyline in Warren Ellis's Stormwatch, there's a character called the High, and he collects this team of of basically an anti-Stormwatch team who kind of they all each kind of have a counterpart from the Stormwatch, and they show up, and they show up on the White House lawn, and they give a speech on television where they lay out their whole plan to terraform the Earth and and feed the you know, house the homeless, feed the everything, and it just very it just struck me. I said, hold on here, these were released around a similar time. Uh, so I, I kind of did a little research, and I, I, I tried to figure out where which of these came out first. Uh-oh. Okay, so let's see. And I'm not saying one copied the other. It's not like this is the most original idea, but they're so darn similar that it really got me thinking. Now, now that, that storyline in Stormwatch, the High first appeared and made that, uh, that appearance and on the lawn. That actual scene was in uh, Stormwatch number 48, which was released... In May of 1997, okay, May of 1997. Now this is JLA number one, 1997 release date, and I believe that was released. Okay, JLA number one. Quick question: Wildstorm. I'm sorry, uh, Stormwatch was at Wildstorm Studios, right? Correct. That was Wildstorm, and I believe. Let's see. I I, I believe Wildstorm was purchased by DC. I think it was actually in 97 or 98. 98. It was, it had to have been 98 because that's when Jim Lee sold off all the IP for that. I think that yeah. makes sense. Cause it was, cause first there was heroes reborn with, with uh, Jim Lee. 
Um, so that that was before that Wildstorm was sold to. Yeah, it was in, in 1998 is when DC bought Wildstorm. So they were in separate companies. And uh, this book was released first. So this JLA, if, if anything, was copied, I suppose it's possible that Warren Ellis could have taken this scene or this concept or this idea from this version of JLA. And again, it's not the most original idea we've it seen. Sound, it all kind of sounds like Independence Day, Mars Attacks, kind of. Yeah, it's it's just it's more that it's less that it's the overall concept. It's more this actual scene where he's on the White House lawn giving a speech about the whole thing as all the characters are seeing it on TV. And it's 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 not panel for panel or word for word, but it feels pretty darn close. You have any theories here? I'm going to tie this one up to a coincidence. Um, There are other cases of stuff like this being more intentional. Like I really do think that Frank Miller, uh, who, according to Rob Liefeld in the Observations podcast, Miller was able to see Alan Moore's Watchmen script. So I believe that Miller changed some of the Dark Knight Returns to match more of what he saw in Watchmen. But for this one, I'm I'm going to chalk it up to coincidence. All right. I mean, I, I have no reason to make any accusations here. And um, and I, these are both writers that I uh, generally like and respect. So I will not make any accusations. But if they would like to come on the program and fight each other, we would be willing to host. Absolutely. I'd love to host. I'll that moderate debate. that shit for free. They actually there actually is a bit of a Warren Ellis uh, Grant Morrison feud, I believe, because they don't like each other. Who, yeah, it's Freddy like versus Jason, as I brought up a few episodes ago. It's Freddy <laughs> exactly. versus Jason. It is. It is indeed. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I don't know if there's if the feud was. I'm not sure when the feud started. You know, this was '97. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm wildly speculating here. I have no reason to believe that uh, Warren Ellis is the type of writer that would even need to to steal a concept or steal an idea. Uh, that being said, I don't know, man. Seems pretty darn similar. That's all I'm going to say about suspicious. that. I'll leave it there. Uh, and uh, I guess they are, um, they're not just here to like talk about stuff. They're getting to action. So they, they spring right to action and they start terraforming the earth because what could go wrong there? They start turning deserts into, uh, into like lush, lush gardens and lush farms and things seem to be going pretty well. Uh, but Superman, mm, Superman is a little bit skeptical here. He, he's just saying, look, uh, you know, deserts can't just be fixed. There are causes and effects here. Uh, he's, he's doing very much a Hayek and a scene in the unseen here. If you get that reference, I know you do. And, um, Actually, it's not Hayek. It's uh, it's Bastiat. Anyway, let's not get the unintended not, consequences. Children, we're crossing the streams. We're crossing the streams, my friends. And uh, yeah, so he, you know, Superman's thinking deeper than the surface level, though. He's saying, okay, yeah, some things look good here, but you know, you can't just snap your fingers and have everything be perfect. You know, there's ecosystems. There's things to consider. We don't know what the consequences are. And uh, people in the crowd are like, oh, sounds like sour grapes, Superman. I don't know. Blah blah blah. They're all they're all you know they're all giving him shit because that's how fast these bastards turn on Superman. These alien show up and they're immediately like yeah shut up superman these guys these guys are the hot hot new flashy heroes in town uh but protect stands up for me he's like hey guy you're being unfair to superman I, I totally understand his reservations happy to have a chat with him happy to sit down have a little talk about this so we can all go about fixing the world together uh but quickly we quickly see that uh the the methods that the hyper clan use are a little more brutal than you might see from let's say superman or the justice league or any any hero uh we see this guy i'm not sure who this guy is um they don't name him i'm not sure if you know who he is but some I'm villain type yeah some some generic villain is tied up uh no one they needed to needed to use in any storylines cuz he's immediately murdered and uh, sentenced to death by the hyper clan they have passed judgment upon uh upon this villain here and and uh they're broadcasting this live on tv 
Um, we also see some narration that you now following the dramatic executions, the Joker, Dr. Par- Polaris, and a num- number of other prominent underworld figures are reputedly in hiding. So, you know, and, and it says metacrimes, th- those involving metahumans have dropped a massive 60%. So uh, the mainstream media here, uh, the corrupt mainstream media, seems to be getting on board with the hyper clan immediately. Uh, they're all, they're broadcasting their ex- executions and they're uh, giving the world all this good news that, you know, crime is down. The supervillains are going into hiding. Um, so that all seems to be good. Let's not worry if they happen to be, you know, murdering a few people on the side. No big deal. Uh, what, what are you feeling about the hyper clan so far? I, I'm with Superman on this one. They come here. They're changing our deserts. They're changing our way of life. I don't trust these aliens. Who knows what they're going to do? Space wall. We go up to um, now. This is not I don't believe. No, this is not yet the Watchtower. No, they are. But they are in some kind of space uh, satellite. Uh, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. Kyle Rayner have joined Metamorpho uh, kind of overseeing uh, the, the happenings on the Earth here. And, um, you know, and they, they really make a point to show that Kyle, you know, they, they emphasize that that Kyle is still pretty new to this whole superhero thing. And uh, he kind of references that he doesn't he doesn't quite feel at, at home here. You know, he's it's like he's, he says it's he's like been he's, around for 36 years and he's still figuring it out. <laughs> it's like he's playing with the Beatles. That not, Kyle Rayner. No, I thought he didn't come out until like the, the 90s. Well, I thought he was like 88, 89. I could I, be wrong. I think he's, I think he's earlier mid nineties here. So I think this. I'll, actually, I'll take your so, word for it. I think this sort of makes sense based on how comics are paced. Anyway, close enough. It's close as we can do with with time here. Um, yeah, but yeah, but um, yeah, the Hyper Clan then um, attacks this station, or or at least it, it seems that they do, and uh, and the shit is on. There's been a hull breach, and there's all these. I, I guess it's the Hyper Clan. It's uh, well, they don't know this at the time, but there's these kind of like robot type things that are coming out and attacking the station uh at the same time um so they're the station is kind of take getting taken out here and in the end metamorpho is able to save everyone because he's allowed to he can, he's able to his power is changing uh the the elemental structure of his body in any way he so chooses so he basically forms a giant bubble around them and he provides oxygen to uh to wonder woman and kyle on the way down uh and these and these other couple random heroes these random c-list heroes that uh, i don't even i can't even name right now uh and uh he basically saves everybody's life and and appears to uh, they say the, the the phrase they use is that he's inert. He appears to have gone inert. So a heroic act by by Metamorpho, um, as as the JLA is being taken down here. Uh, then we see that the Hyperclan Protex here is in the Antarctic, and they are raising basically they're just raising a city. It appears out of the ground, or they're they're forming this city. Uh, it's not exactly clear where it's coming from, but they have created a city somehow. It looks like yeah, it looks like they're actually creating it with their with their I beams. Somehow, I guess. And he says, behold the glory of Zaan Zaor. Now, uh, did this did this tick any, uh, tick any clues off to you as to what might be going on here with these aliens just by the name of the city? Without giving anything away, of course. Sounds kind of invasion-y. Sounds kind of invasion-y. And, uh, well, we'll get to it. I don't want, I don't want to spoil the storyline, but the, the name uh, pretty much gave things gave the direction things were going to me away. Um, anyway, yeah, like I said, Metamorpho is inert. Um, also the, the, now we have the JLA kind of assessing the situation. Flash and Superman have joined them and Martian Manhunter is there as well. And, um, that basically, uh, they're, they're all talking and then they're like, man, we should, we really got to, uh, we should probably, we're still waiting for Batman here. Uh, Aquaman hasn't responded. He doesn't want to be involved. We're still waiting for Batman. And he just, you just see him say, oh, I'm here. And then he's up in the rafters. just like, yeah, I've been here for an hour. Uh, didn't think I'd make it, but Gotham has been pretty quiet. <laughs> so I, I love how ba- Batman has just been there the whole time. 
time. Um, it's little things like this I do enjoy uh, from Grant Morrison here. Little little character bits that you see, whether it's Kyle Rayner sort of uh, expressing that he, he feels really, you know, almost overwhelmed that he's that he's here with all these heroes, these people that he grew up uh, idolizing and, and drawing. Uh, he's actually getting to hang out with them. He's getting to play with the Beatles, basically, as he said. And then we get this this characterization from Batman where he's just being a being a freaking creeper up in the Raptors here. And, and uh, Batman just declares, uh, he basically just says, yeah, now my suggestion is this. Um, um, we, we make plans, we move fast, and we hit hard. This is war. Uh, this is he's, he's saying like this, this is a, this is a plan invasion. Like idiots. Like <laughs> can't you see this coming a mile away? Just like all the readers probably did. Uh, so he's like, yeah, this is on. We got to do this thing. So uh, what are you thinking so far? I know their mother's names aren't Martha, but uh, <laughs> you know, I what, know what I will say about Morrison is that he gets what ensemble books are supposed to be. Ensemble books are supposed to show the super stereotype that we all have for all of these heroes but in a way that we get to see them really interact with each other. So while the story might not always be what you want, the the real reason why I think we go for ensemble books is because we want to see the team up. We want to see the banter. We want to see the dialogue because this is where the real juiciness kind of comes through. And I think he does that great. Yep, indeed. Uh, So we now move on to issue number two, JLA number two. This one's called The Day the Earth Stood Still. And now we see that uh, these domed cities are appearing on on different parts of the Earth. Uh, So I think there's three of them. Uh, in total, uh, the big one being that one there in the Antarctic. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's bigger, but uh, there's also one that I think appears in the Sahara, uh, a domed city that appears in the Sahara, and then there's another one that appears uh, in the middle of the ocean. Uh, so, uh, Manhunter seems to kind of be Martian Manhunter kind of seems to be the de facto leader here, and he's splitting up the team into three different units. You know where else they split the team up into three different units? You remember anything else? Any other place where they did that? Uh, maybe in that Stormwatch book that we read. Uh, it also revealed this is looking oddly familiar. But I, I don't know because what's funny about that you now when they when Warren Ellis put the Stormwatch team into three units, that was before this came out because his run started in in '96 and that was right at the beginning of that run. Uh, whereas this is in 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 um, you know this is in January '97. So I don't know again. But you got but you got to write and draw and do a lot of this stuff well in advance, especially when you're true. launching a series because they want to give you like a three four month gap so that way you can get out the next month's issues. It's probably all coincidence. It probably is. I just find it pretty funny that two well-known writers who happen to not like each other at all happen to have relaunched superhero team books at around the exact same time and happen to have some similarities throughout their stories. I just find it interesting, but it's probably all coincidence, right? Now I'm suspicious. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I have no reason to believe it. But anyway, uh, yeah. Mar- Mark Marshall over here starting shit. <laughs> causing sorry. fights. If they weren't feuding ne- before, they're going to be feuding by the time I'm done with them. Maybe they never realized this till now. Maybe Morrison maybe, v. Ellis. Maybe when both of them are independently listening to this podcast, as I'm sure they'll do, they will say, wait a minute, did he steal that from me? That bastard. I mean, splitting a, a superhero team up into three groups for a mission is certainly not a, a unique concept, nor are aliens coming pretending they're doing good when they're not. So it's it could be coincidental that they both inserted these elements that have been in many stories throughout the years uh, into their own stories here. But still. It's interesting. It's interesting. I'll let the fans decide, as always. 
Um, but yeah, Manhunter splits up the, uh, the splits everybody into three different teams. And uh, and I edited my note here is just that Kyle was sad that he's not going with Team Wonder Woman because she's hot. So he's he's upset that he's not going along with her. Uh, and basically, they are going. Each team is going to go to one of these one of these stations and basically just check it out. And see what's going to happen. Uh, so first off, Team Wonder Woman shows up. I think they are. Yeah, Team Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman, and actually, it's just Wonder Woman right now. Uh, and but uh, she is going to the one in the ocean. And this one guy, she's battling. She's blad- She's battling a uh, Fluxus, who appears that he can change his shape because it, it seems that he turns into a whale. And this is what brings out Aquaman because you what can't. What was with the '90s and shape shifting? It was a big thing. It was a really big thing. It's basically your catch-all. If you've got shape shifters, you can do just about anything you want in the story. Um, And then I I actually wrote a one-armed Eric Larson Aquaman shows up. Now, I don't know if you're aware. It was a very brief run, but Eric Larson actually took over the Aquaman book uh, at one point in um, around this time. The best Aquaman run, at least in my opinion. You give him that. You give him that hook arm. That's some cool shit. I love it. I love this version of Aquaman. Visually, I, I love Eric Larson's little run on Aquaman. In fact, now that I have thought of it again, I'm going to try to go back in and read that run. And I, that, again, that I know run I justifies the casting of Jason Momoa. Yeah, and that's somebody so. who looks like from the the '70s Aquaman cartoon. Yep. Totally, totally. So that, that's one Aquaman run to check out. If you're going to check out Aquaman, I'd recommend probably two two specific runs. I would recommend Eric Larson's run from whenever it was, 96, 97, somewhere around there, and also Jeff John's Aquaman Rebirth. Those are the two I would I would recommend. And just to throw it out there real fast, uh, Justice League Volume 2, Throne of Atlantis. Ah, yep. My Another personal favorite Aquaman Another story. story. Yep, indeed. So all that. There's your Aquaman homework, Aquaman friends. Uh, Aquaman shows up, uh, but he says, you know, he wants nothing to do with the Justice League still. Um, you know, uh, when she's like, well, you know, too bad. You know, this is going to affect you no matter what. Uh, so you can say you don't want to be in the Justice League. It's just like, you know, it's like, oh, I, I don't care about politics. All right. Well, they're still going to come get your paycheck. So it doesn't really matter if you care or not. Uh, you're going to care because especially you're going to care when a city appears in the ocean like this. You say you're you're not coming into work, but you're coming into work. Yeah, so they're there, and uh, eventually, let's see, Wonder Woman gets trapped by, I believe this character's name is Tronics, and yeah, and, and it turns out, like, all the uh, all Aquaman's uh, little dolphins there, they're saying, oh, it's not a whale, not a whale, not a whale. Uh, that's because the whale was that Fluxus character who had turned into the whale. So, uh, Fluxus turns out returns from a whale into his own form and yeah basically they take out uh wonder woman and aquaman here so to the first team not looking so hot didn't do too well here uh meanwhile flash and green lantern are teamed up i I always found flash and green lantern to be very natural uh natural allies uh in various iterations but i I particularly enjoy the the kyle the kyle rayner wally west team up what do you think that that's my favorite i mean uh so my favorite in the comics are typically um Wally West and Hal Jordan, but Wally and Kyle. I'm sorry, no, I actually take that back. It's Barry in here. It's Bear Barry in here. It's Barry Allen and Hal Jordan and Wally West and Kyle Rayner. Uh, again, uh, Flash and Green Lantern are are, uh, are battling the, uh, another group of these aliens here. Uh, these these hyper clan, and the short of it is they they get their ass handed to them uh, pretty damn thoroughly. Uh, meanwhile, we take a little break to see that Martian Manhunter is secretly meeting with Protex. And uh, Protex basically offers them, he says, hey, look, 
Why don't you just why don't you do this, Martian Manhunter? You know what we're up to. You know what's going on. You know who we really are. So why don't you just show us your true form and join us? So who knows what's going on there, but uh, they seem to know something about Martian Manhunter, and Martian Manhunter seems to know something about them, and it's implied that uh, there might be some shenanigans going on with Martian Manhunter in the background there. Um, then, let's see, uh, Superman and Batman are a team, because why, Remzo? Because they are the world's finest. That's right. And their mom's both names are Martha. Because their moms are both named Martha, so therefore they're best friends, because that's how it works. That's how com- that, Because Zack Snyder. Why'd <laughs> you say, say that, that name? Martha, why did you say Martha? <sighs> anyway, I now I now I've come to enjoy it because it's so absurd. So now it's come full circle for me. I hated it and now I love it. I, I, love, I love the Godzilla so meme where it's like you were never even a, you you were never a monster. You were never a <laughs> king. And next thing you know, Godzilla. I'm sorry, uh, King Kong on the ground is like save Mothra, and Godzilla's like, <laughs> why'd you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. Random tangent. Uh, I am looking forward to that that new Godzilla movie as well. Uh, anyway, moving along here. Where was I? Uh, yeah, so Superman and Batman. Uh, this is the team that you think you know. You think these guys are going to have this thing together between between soups and bats here. Uh, but Protex shows up, and guess what? He's got kryptonite. Uh, that is no good, and uh, that is not going to work out too well for Superman. So Superman gets taken out by this kryptonite, and they also seem to uh, send Batman into a plane crash here. And of course, as villains do, they simply assume Batman died in the plane crash and don't bother to go look for the body. So bad assumption. Figure, yeah, not a smart move, Cotton. Yeah, so uh, issue two ends here with the Hyper Clan seemingly winning the day. What do you think about the just the, the complete domination of the JLA by the Hyper Clan? One, where was this team during the death of Superman? Was everyone was everyone just hanging around? Because that team got their asses kicked pretty <laughs> that, easily. That is the team that that needed to be around. Uh, that should have come out when when they're battling Doomsday. Instead, they're sending you know. Firestorm and uh, Bloodstorm and <laughs> every storm that they have. Booster every storm Gold. Character. Booster Gold. Blue uh, Beetle. Blue Beetle. <laughs> yeah. Guy Gardner, Green Lantern. Uh, with all due respect, uh, not they weren't sending their best. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but, but in this case, uh, th- these guys didn't just randomly find Earth. And yeah, they may have been flying around for millions of years potentially, but they've been doing some homework on the League because they knew how to, they knew how to get each of them. But, uh, but, to, but to, you know, assume Batman is dead. Bad assumption. Bad assumption. Always a bad assumption, uh, essentially. Even when he gets zapped by uh, Darkseid's Omega rays and appears dead, but maybe he's actually living in the past. And uh, yes, thank you, Grant Morrison. (laughs) Because Grant Morrison. Uh, I'm excited to get into some of Grant Morrison's really weird stuff because... uh, yeah, he's like Hickman to me, actually. It really is an apt analogy because I, I do like Hickman, Hickman as a writer, but reading his stuff makes you want to pull my hair out, and yet I can't get away. I can't escape. I, so he's doing something right because I can't stop talking about his stuff, and I'm always intrigued by where he's going to go with things. It's uh, like I that can always say in, that. It's like that scene in Brokeback Mountain. I just don't know how to quit you. Exactly. <laughs> you you can never accuse just like somebody. Jonathan please make a broke back mountain meme with Mark and Jonathan Hickman, please. Yes. Uh, I'm sure Prime Meyer is going to be on this within. Please, probably be- he'll probably finish this before the actual episode releases. Uh, Say he'll probably no have it more, out by guys. The, but between the early release and the the public release of this episode, I I I predict we will get a meme of this sorts. If I know my fans, that's like all, that's all I want in life right now. Yep. All right. Well, moving into issue three here. Uh, issue three. Boo, 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 what was I saying? Something about issue three. Let me start this sentence over. I'm going to do a little clap real quick. 
All right, moving into issue three here. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, Batman's not dead, guys. <laughs> I, I hate to spoil this one for you if you spent the uh, those few moments between issue two and three thinking so, but Batman is not dead. Uh, we then, he is kind of just watching over things as they've captured um, captured Superman, and then Batman has b- basically broken into this uh, Zaanza, or as they're calling this city. Uh, we then see Flash versus Zoom. I guess uh, I think they took out, Ky- I, I guess they hadn't finished taking out Kyle and and Flash in the last episode, so they're, they're still going at it. Flash is basically racing against Zoom, and uh, Flash does some fast some Flash things and cites a Flash fact and, uh, and beats Zoom. So he actually, he does a weird, a very Flashy-esque thing where he, he does something where he he basically projects himself. He goes so fast that he projects projects a version of himself faster than himself, but actually ends up going around the world and is actually behind Zoom. But Zoom still sees him in front of him because something about the speed of light, something about the Flash, and he defeats Zoom. So that's a very it's a very flashy way to defeat someone. I, I almost feel like, and I promise not to go off on a tangent on this. I think the Flash became more popular when we could actually see him on TV, and I'll even include animation. Because to draw the Flash in a way that actually makes him see formidable in the comics, the only person I know who has ever really been able to pull that off was George Perez. Otherwise, other people can kind of get it right, but it's I think super speed is a really hard thing to get really right. Yeah, I think it's done. Eh, I don't know. It's done as well as it is. It, it's it's like time travel. It's always kind of confusing uh, when or, when or like telepathy or stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the end of the day, the Flash does all this just so he can get behind Zoom and punch him right in the face. And uh, we get a little, uh, he says uh, his narration here, I'm sure he felt that. Wonder how fast he's traveling, at least seven miles per second. And you see Zoom shooting all the way like out of the earth and then all the way back down. He says, that's escape, escape velocity, by the way. Flash fact. So we got a little flash fact. I love flash facts. Not going to lie. I'm always a sucker for, for a good flash fact. Uh, let's see. Moving along, uh, Flash is in investigating, and um, it seems that these guys are actually hiding in hyperspace. Uh, I'm not sure what that means, but that's apparently why they're not able to. Oh, I, I missed I miss a good line that I really liked uh, during the battle too um, from Kyle Rayner. He said uh, he says basically that he's a manganut with a, a power ring, <laughs> which I kind of like because he 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 tur- he's like you just ran into a, a manganut with a power ring, and he turns he he creates this kind of a manga esque robot creature to battle this other robot creature who I think is named Armek uh, in the battle there. Um, yeah, so basically uh, Flash and Green Lantern end up defeating uh, their foes actually, uh, unlike the rest of the Justice League and uh, they're able to get in and they see that Superman is about to be tried and executed uh, and yeah, this is where Flash says, oh yeah the, these bastards are hiding in hyperspace whatever that means, uh, because comics uh, we then find out uh, that apparently the Martian Manhunter has betrayed them. At least that's what that's what we're being told. And a Superman is about to be put into this torture device. Uh, what is this torture device called? It had a really weird name, but I can't. It's the what thing. It is. The thing, and man. The thing. Anyway, it looks crazy. It's it's this huge device. Uh, actually, yeah, the entire Justice League is actually in this device now. They they act, they ended up uh, capturing uh, Green Lantern and Flash once they sort of broke their way in. Uh, it, it basically, Flash was able to get them in through something about vibrating through hypertime or hyperspace, and then they were able to get into the facility. Uh, but they were quickly captured and put into this this uh, this torture device. Uh, so basically, they've got the whole league uh, ready to go. Uh, Manhunter has betrayed them. They captured everybody 
else. Uh, Batman is uh, presumed dead, uh, and just about as they're about to put everybody into this device, suddenly the drones are all are all being shut down, all of their drones, and they're they're saying, "Wait, who could it be? Could it be? Yeah, who do you think it is? Of course, it's Batman. Of course, of course, Batman's alive. Uh, Batman is there, and they find this one uh, their one buddy, a mortal. Uh, they find they just find him hanging with a note that says, "I know your secret." Um, uh, eventually here, uh, they do corner Batman and, uh, he basically just tells them like, I, I know who you are. Um, I know that they, uh, he knows that they are Martians, uh, and he strikes a match and surrounds, he basically, he's basically surrounded by three of these guys. Uh, it looks like he, you know, how's, how's Batman going to get out of this one? But he strikes a match, lights it on fire. And he had actually basically lured them into a circle of fire. And, uh, if you know anything about Martians in the DC universe, yes, they can shapeshift, but they are also, uh, prone to uh, their weakness is fire. It's basically their kryptonite fire will kill a Martian. So he lights this puppy up and uh, see you later, Martian. So Batman, of all people, of all these characters, all these all these heroes have all these powers. And at the end of the day, it's Batman who's smart enough to figure out who they are and, f- and smart enough to find their weakness. Um, but of course, at the end of the episode, and the episode, here I go again, at the end of the issue, uh, we learn that, uh, you know, Hyper Clan here, these guys, this is, just, uh, this is just the first front. There's 70 more of these bastards on the way. And, uh, Earth is pretty much fucked. Uh, so what do you think about issue three here? What do you think about uh, the Justice League basically getting their asses handed to them, except for uh, the intellect of Batman that is able to have him actually take out four of these dudes? It's pretty basic storytelling. You see this in comics and in film. But, you know, the, the best way to go ahead and really raise the stakes is to beat the entire team of protagonists. That's kind of expected. And while that kind of comes to a point where it's kind of a little gimmicky predictable, Batman just coming back makes it almost justifiable because it's a little bit funny. It's a little bit badass at the same time. It's like, okay, you know, I didn't really need to see this. I know I can assume how things are going to end, but it's cool. I saw it anyway. Uh, Then we go into issue four here. And this one's called Invaders from Mars. It's all out in the open. We all, at least the the reader and the JLA, they all know that these are, in fact, uh, Martians that have come to uh, to invade the Earth. And uh, I really like uh, we get super we, we hear Superman's narration here. And uh, I'm just going to read this for a bit here. It says mind control, six superheroes. Why hasn't the kryptonite killed me yet? Fire got sick. Firehawk got sick. Dr. Phosphorus, too. So they've, they've referenced this a couple times throughout in the dialogue, too. That there's random heroes that have been getting sick, losing their powers, and that sort of thing. It says, what if the Hyper Clan planned it all? Who would possess those powers? Use mind control techniques and fear fire. Um, so now now Superman is also figuring it out here. He's like, oh, wait, it's it's Martians. Uh, so, you know, now Superman has independently uh, figured this thing out. And he says, then he says, you know, the kryptonite makes, and, and at the same time we hear, um, it's kind of juxtaposition, 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 juxtaposed, it's juxtaposed. We learn words pro- here. Yeah, it's juxtaposed. I am teaching you to read very slowly, and you're teaching me to speak. <laughs> and we we are. It's juxtaposed with uh, Protex's narration, where he says the kryptonite makes moving his head feel like dragging a planet from its orbit. Mind control, but kryptonite. What if it's not real? Psycho. Wait, this is not Protex's thing. Uh, this is. Wait a minute. The other guy. Is this all Superman's narration? Maybe it's all Superman's narration. But I think it's his. Yeah, but they're in two different colors. That's why I thought it was two different. Yeah, it is. It is. It's someone else. I we think don't get it's... the other guy's thought balloon, I think. No, no, no. I know what's going on here. 
Um, do, 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 do. <laughs> I think I understood this the first time, and now I don't understand it. Uh, but basically, they realize, what if there were no kryptonite? What if it's not real? Psychosomatic symptoms triggered by a telepathic implant. Alarm bells are ringing all over the world. He can hear them. And, and Superman basically breaks free here because he says, he knows, you're Martians. Um, yeah, so I think I think this is... I don't under, I don't actually don't understand the dialogue here. I it's it's narration that it seems the voice doesn't sound like Superman, but it is Superman. But there's two voices and they seem to both be Superman? Yeah. Anyway, both voices are figuring out that they're Martians at the end of the day, so they figured out they're Martians. Yeah, I'm not actually sure there. This is very confusing to me now that I'm looking looking at it a second time. You, you see this a lot in Final Crisis where often mm the voice of the character gets lost because Morrison wants to use it more as an expositional device, uh, which is sad because when he does direct dialogue between characters, it's really good. I think uh, Jeff Johns is sometimes guilty of the same thing. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, this was not real kryptonite. It was uh, this a psychosomatic uh, suggestion in Superman's mind to make him think it was real kryptonite. So he's, he's not actually being affected by it, which means he's got his full powers. And this is when um, Protex says, oh, he knows and then Superman busts out and goes you're Martians and he says fire is the, is the one thing that weakens them uh, so of course he tries to to rain fire down upon and now we have Protex uh, battling with Superman uh, now during this battle uh, there is this Armek character he's like the uh, the robotic one and um, let's see he suddenly we find out he begins to tra- crumble away and transform and reform into Martian Manhunter so Martian Manhunter had actually disguised himself as uh, as Armek uh, so we then find out that these guys that are here uh, basically the Martians that have arrived are the evil white Martians um, and we uh, well we're going to get to the whole story in a minute, but uh, ultimately, uh, you know, Superman helps everybody escape. Green Lantern, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Flash—they all show up to help Manhunter in this battle here. Uh, Aquaman is controlling. Um, let's see, this is kind of a cool thing. Zoom is, is back up uh, since his fight with the Flash, and um, Aquaman is battling Zoom. I like that. Uh, the one thing here is that Aquaman says he's controlling his vassal ganglia inherited from his marine ancestors and gives him a seizure. That's a kind of a cool use of of uh, Aquaman's powers, where he can kind of like. Like, you know, telepathically communicate with with marine life and sea life. Well, he just he finds this ancient, uh, I guess, this ancient piece of Zoom and gives him a seizure with it. So, well, that's a pretty interesting use of, of Aquaman's character, of Aquaman's powers. Only there. Grant Morrison would want to go and figure that shit out. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so let's see. So Wonder Woman is battling, uh, I guess, there's some weird names of these characters here, Primate in space. And then uh, we do get, um, the, we see a little bit of the battle here between the creepy white form of of Protex turns into more of his Martian form and sort of envelops, uh, envelops Superman. And we get some narration here where we uh, we learn like the real the real story of the Martians here. And basically, for forever ago, a long time ago, uh, these Martians tried to make a super race on Earth, uh, but they messed up. They didn't do a good job, and all they got were these measly humans. So the humans are like the the failed experiments of the Martians to uh, these white Martians anyway to to try to create a super race. The on History Earth. Channel was right. <laughs> the History Channel presents. Yes. Um, yeah, and basically. Uh, Superman just ends up just flying Protex right into the ground. Uh, he then uh, uses the problem is here though they they've also been using these these three cities have been using this uh, sort of psychosomatic uh, psychosomatic this like psychic uh, I don't know broadcast basically to 
manipulate people into dark psychic into, uh, energies, dark psychic energies into to manipulate people into basically a state of terror um, um, from these people. And, you know, he's like now now all these different Martians are about to rain hell on Earth, like all the other Martians are, are showing up and Superman just broadcasts to them. He's like, everybody. All right. You got to be calm. Calm down. I know things are crazy right now. Uh, we got things under control here. We're the Justice League. But the truth is, we're probably not going to be able to get to everybody at once. We need you guys. We need you to stand up and fight. And you need to just know they're afraid of fire. So he basically takes over their system. This is actually like a Wonder Woman, uh, the Wonder Woman movie. He takes he, seizing, seizing control of the, the broadcast here. Uh, but he's basically using the broadcast to hype up everybody in the world. Only and, and you can make things right. Yeah, he's giving them the Braveheart speech and uh, inspiring them to take up fire of their own. And this is where you see people uh, sort of like lifting up their lighters that they were going to use at their concerts. And this is this is before iPhones. And uh, they lift up their lighters and basically they are all going to light their own fires and uh, battle these battle these Martians, too. So now that they know the, to use fire, um, you know, basically be between the uh, the JLA taking down this this small hyper clan group and uh, the, the knowledge of the rest of the world that these are not heroes these are actually Martians and we can burn them with fire uh, basically the the rest of the world gets to do the job uh, for them but it gets gets to uh, do the job that the Justice League just didn't have the manpower to do all at once so not only does the Justice League take down the villains here uh, but they also inspire the rest of the world to sort of uh, be heroes uh, for themselves which is which is a lovely message. I could just hear the Live Aid concert in the background like we are the world <laughs> fuck Martian up the aid. Martians <laughs> Um, and basically, uh, Martian Manor comes out and he says, you know, I, uh, I knew they were Martians the whole time, obviously, because I'm a Martian. Uh, but I hesitated since, you know, I hesitated to say anything right away because they're they're the last relic of my culture. And, you know, I'm sorry, I should have said something sooner. And, of course, uh, all is forgiven with Superman because he's Superman. He, he can let stuff go pretty easily. Um, but, yeah, they basically, uh, they, basically, too, they're also having this discussion like, you know, w- what is the role of heroes here? This is kind of how, how Grant Morrison uh, wraps things up here is like, like, what? What should a hero be like? It, it, like, should we be using our power to do things like the Hyper Clan was doing, uh, even if they were bad guys? Like, should we be going around and maybe turning deserts into uh, into gardens and, and this sort of thing? Uh, but but at the end of the day, uh, Supes basically says, "You like, no, humanity, humanity has to rise and fall on its own." And then um, I'm not sure who actually says that. They say, "So you know, what's what's the purpose of the Justice League?" Then um, yeah, I think it's Flash here. Yeah, he says, "All right, well, you know, fine, but then what's the point? You know, why why do they need us at all?" And that's when Superman just says to catch them if they fall. A uh, very, very Superman-esque thing to say. I got then chills. Hear- they're multiplying. <laughs> they are indeed multiplying. And, uh, and on the last page here, well, not the very last page of the story, but um, the last page proper of this book, we see uh, the new watchtower, the watchtower that would stick around for quite a number of years until right before Final Crisis when Super- Superboy Prime will destroy it. Spoiler alert. I believe this watchtower got 124 issues or so out of it. Uh, but this is this is what is known as the watchtower and where the Justice League will operate from uh, pretty much here on out. Even when the the watchtower is destroyed, I think they just make a new one after that. So this is this is the debut of the watchtower, though. This is the first time they actually had um, this you know this building on the moon where they they watch over the Earth. So it certainly has that historical significance to it. Right before that, it was the Hall of Justice, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know I if it was right so. before this. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point earlier, it was like the Hall of Justice. Yeah, and then, um, I mean, they showed uh, you know, Metamorpho in some like UFO in space watching watching before. So I don't know, I don't know what the deal is there. I think they were mostly Earthbound though before. Watchtower but now, was always my favorite though. 
Yeah, and now, and the, the idea being like, all right, there's they got a bunch of heroes on Earth, but you know, the JLA, we're going to be here for otherworldly threats. We're going to be here for the cosmic threats, so that's why we're going to be hanging out here on the moon, uh, watching out for for bad shit to go down, and we're going to have the badass, you know, super powered heroes. Now, the, this will go in different directions later because you know, in the next book, they actually kind of have the next cover really says so much about '90s comics, and we're not going to go into the next storyline uh, of this one just yet. But the next cover of the of issue five. Uh, uh, let me name some of the characters on this cover for you. Steel, remember Steel? Um, Hitman, remember Hitman? Or do you know it's, Hitman? It's, may it's may been not. a while. Plastic Man, um, I forget her name. Not Wonder Woman. Artemis. Artemis is the other one that's not Wonder Woman. Uh, we also have what looks to be. It looks like Green Arrow, but I'm not sure if it's really Green Arrow. It might be like the younger. It might be Arsenal. And then we have Electric Superman, Electric Blue Superman, Electric Superman Two, Electric Boogaloo. So uh, things get wacky and weird after this. But but what Grant Morrison was really doing here was establishing uh, the core JLA and establishing that like no, this is not the the B team. This is not the C team. This is the best heroes, the strongest heroes gathered in one place to to uh to yeah to deal with otherworldly threats to deal with cosmic threats that that's basically what he's setting up with this justice league uh we also get a little bit of an epilogue here uh there's this guy bob gray he seems to be having these weird dreams uh had a really bad night he's seeing weird things in the mirror uh and basically um and it says he will have these same dreams and then go to work just along with uh along with 69 other people so basically they're they're telling us that um much like this is kind of reminds me of spoiler alert if you have not seen wandavision finale and you want to just stop the podcast here you're not going to miss much but i don't i will spoil something in three two one all right at the end of wandavision uh wanda punishes agatha harkness by instead of killing her she basically imprisons her in in the personality of someone else uh basically as the nosy neighbor character that she was trying to portray i'm not spoiling it for you right no i saw it see it okay good uh yeah he basically she basically makes her into actually be be uh agnes um which is a character she was just kind of pretending to be so basically agatha harkness is trapped living the life as as agnes uh as her punishment and that's basically what What's happening to these 70 Martians here because hey they're heroes they're not going to kill them uh, I don't know why they didn't just send us to, send them it, to like better. Phantom Zone or something you know but, it's better yeah. than what like the Fantastic Four did to a bunch of Skrulls they they you know mess up their minds and made them into cows you, do you remember that story <laughs> I do remember that actually yeah that is yeah, inhumane that... compared to what the Justice League did yeah at least they're humans yeah. you know I mean that's not too bad they can live lives they could do their Bob own Gray's thing a firefighter yeah he gets yeah. some exercise it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Considering the things that think how many scrawls got turned into burgers by accident. Oh my God. That probably did happen. Yeah. Scroll burgers, yeah. scroll milk. Yeah. That should be a storyline where people end up like people, like kids are born who are like, um, you know, they're, they're raised on, on scroll milk accidentally. Cause they didn't know the scrolls became cows. And then the, the kids start, you know, shape. There, there was a, there was a, there was a small limited series that came out in the mid two thousands after secret invasion called the scroll kill crew. where basically a bunch of these, former scrawls who love earth go around killing all the scrawls and hiding and they go back to the cows from all the way back in like the 1960s fantastic four and they have to end up like slaughtering all the cows and as the cows see the other cows get killed they begin to get like these ptsd memories of being scrawls so then they become like super cows it's lit it's awesome either way the justice league very diplomatic humane fair classy if i can say yeah, as far as punishments go, now well, I can think of worse. Yeah. 
Uh, anywho, that does it for the first uh, run here, the initial storyline of Grant Morrison's JLA run. This run of JLA would go on, I believe, all the way until issue, I think the last issue of this run is right before Infinite Crisis uh, with the destruction of the Watchtower by Superboy Prime. Spoiler alert, if you were planning to read this whole run, that that's what happens at the end. Um, but that's it. So uh, let's just dive right in, Remzo. What did you think? of this little run, this little intro, this reintroduction to the Justice League, uh, the JLA from Grant Morrison. I I have fond memories of this, and they're kind of reversed. So these four issues specifically inspired the first pilot episode of the Justice League animated series that would come out, and it also inspired the series finale, uh, which was a two, three-part uh, event that where they changed up the Martians for the Thanagarians. So it, it got repurposed into two of my favorite um, Justice League animated series uh, episodes. Um, you know, this is just really good. It's not the most original story, but what makes this a great ensemble book is that we get to see everybody shine. We get to see everybody interact. It's just a good read. Um it's just it's just kind of flat though but you know based off my prior criteria is this great for new readers i'll give it an a is it great for old readers i think it i think it uh i I think could deliver a little bit more especially for a series start but it's okay so i'll say for new readers it's an a for for regular readers probably a b minus which is modest uh the artwork though is very 90s looking back it's like you know was this was this real does this really stand out I'll give a kind of a C and does this age? Well, uh, you kind of look at it and you're like, you you couldn't really like your reader today is not really going to look at this and think this is anything monumental. All in all, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the artwork a three. It's good. It's not great. I could think of a few other artists around this time. I think could have probably done it Uh, for the story. I'm going to give it a 3.5 because while the plot itself is not the most, you know, amazing plot ever. I love how he writes these characters. I think there's actually some of his best stuff. And I did really love this justice league run when they bring in, uh, you know, the, the crime syndicate from earth Two way later on. That's another great story that that's great too. So I'm going to give this for story a 3.5. So I'm giving it a 6.5. It might sound like I'm, 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 I'm kind of lowballing it a bit, but I think, you know, a six or higher is definitely something that's a good weekend read. Yeah, uh, we're probably not going to be too far apart here at the end of the day. This is a, a, a run I did have pretty fond memories from, uh, but when I compare it, I, I think I would most compare it around uh, both in time frame and in purpose to the relaunching of the Avengers that we looked at just a few episodes ago uh, with, uh, you know, after the Heroes Return storyline when they relaunched that book. And they did that with some something like 59 characters or 70 characters or something. And yet somehow it worked. It worked just perfectly. I I gave that a very high score Um, and comparing it to this, maybe that's not perfectly fair, Uh, but this didn't, this didn't quite feel like it had the same, quite the same impact for me. Whereas that really felt like, 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 you know, a great jumping on point as well as a very rewarding for longtime fans. And I, I can't say this doesn't serve the same purpose. It does. It just doesn't have the same the same sort of impact uh, to me. Like the, the story is good, not great. Uh, the, the, like you said, I agree with you about Grant Morrison here. I think the the what the, what shines in this writing more than anything else are the characters, the little tidbits about the characters, the little lines about the characters. He really goes out of his way to to make them distinct and within the team dynamic. And that's 
that's why we we see different interactions between different characters how he pairs them off into teams teams that make sense uh team you know wonder woman and aquaman flash and green lantern uh batman and superman i mean those those are three just perfect teams and the dialogue we get to see between those teams really helps move things along and helps the story move along and helps us understand these characters better helps establish those characters better uh and their relationships so i really do like the writing in that sense of the dialogue uh the story itself though i don't know i just read this in stormwatch uh even if (laughs) i'm just not sure which came first um but um you know it's not really an original concept um to me the the martian thing was just too obvious like because in the first a little on the nose yeah, it was a little too on the nose. Like there was really no mystery there. Like the we see Zaon Zaor, uh, you know John Jones, John Jones, the way it's spelled is is the Martian Manhunter's name. So you kind of know, okay, there's something Martian here. It wasn't that much of a mystery really when you see uh, Martian Manhunter meeting with Protex. Like I already kind of was like, oh yeah, it's because he's a Martian and he's probably doing some double cross thing here, which of course he was. Uh, he's not really going to turn on the on the Justice League. So to me, there wasn't much suspense to this story. It was more just how do they figure it out, and there wasn't that much to it. It just kind of like oh batman batman survived the plane crash and he got in and, and figured it out i mean it's a very batman batman way to save the day uh having batman be the one to use his brains whereas everyone else's powers uh didn't save them so i like that aspect of it at the end of the day um let's see i'm gonna give the art i'm gonna agree with you on the art it's it's good but not great um it's it's like it's kind of a poor man's version of of good '90s superhero art. Uh, it was a little disappointing. I and there's there's flashes of greatness with it. I think the covers are awesome. There's a couple of awesome splash pages. The, the covers was what carried my score. Really, absolutely. Which I mean, might the, be a little covers, unfair, but it it it's how I did it. Yeah, the covers the covers are better than the interiors uh, by by a lot. Actually, I would say a lot of the interiors there's uh, you know a lot of it lacks a lot of detail. Um, it just you know it doesn't. It I never I'm never wowed by anything inside this book. It's it's just fine. Uh, so that that's what gets to the three. And and I'm gonna agree with you on the writing too. I'm gonna say it's a, a three and a half. Like I, I like the story and and what gets it to that three and a half really is just the dialogue that that we both enjoyed uh, quite a bit. Um, but the story itself was just nothing to write home about again 6.5 is not a bad score it's it's worth checking out um but i would never say man this is this is something you got to read i wouldn't even necessarily say this is any kind of definitive justice league but like you said uh decent weekend read and it's not a bad introduction to the characters if if you're not familiar with uh it's a soft launching point it's a soft launching point, and this the series does go in some some different directions, and I and um, maybe we'll dive into more of it later on. This might be something I kind of continue with on my own a little bit, and just just kind of try to relive where it went because I don't exactly remember where this all went. So I might try to you know, dive into this a little more on my own, uh, just to uh, you know relive relive some things that I I know I did read, but it's been it's been a few years. It's Rem, been so a I'm minute. Sure if, if you realize that, it's been a minute. So yeah, two six point fives. I think it's been a while since we've had the exact same score on something, or did we do that last episode? No, I, I think this is the first time in a while. So. 13 out of 20. Hey, if you're at the comic book shop and you're just kind of wandering and you see this graphic novel, pick it up. It's a good addition to your collection. Yeah. And if you got the Hoopla app, uh, it's free on there. So, you know, harmless read. Uh, I certainly wouldn't call it bad. It's definitely enjoyable. Just, you know, it gets nothing, better. nothing to write home about. Uh, and and yeah, yeah. I, I believe this run does get better. It's, it's a, like you said, it's a soft reintroduction to the characters. It's, it's not breaking any new ground here, but it's a perfectly acceptable uh, reintroduction and relaunch. Agreed. All right. I think that's about it for us today. Uh, any notes, uh, any any uh, any house notes we got to pass along here? Of course, as always, hey, if you're not doing anything tonight, why don't you have a little date? Why don't you pour yourself a glass of wine, 
bring out your Apple podcast, pull up Second Print Comics, leave your boys a five-star rating and a great review. That does wonders and wonders and wonders to help boost us in those algorithms, get us into more of those uh, fanboy earbuds out there. And do you think Mark and I's voices are just audible chocolate? Well, hey, you could go ahead and get more of us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. You can find the link in the show notes. Claire continues, uh, WandaVision recaps, uh, Remso, ver- uh, Remso rants, Remso versus the MCU phase one, and a whole ton of other fun. The Random Marvel Comics Podcast, where I press a button on the Marvel app and I get a random issue of a random Marvel comic and I read it and randomly do a podcast about it. You can get all this on the Second Print Patreon. So much content! So much fun? So much fun. Oh, that sounded like I was supposed to to finish a catchphrase there. Well, I'll I'll go ahead and just remind people, in in case you had temporary amnesia, uh, I'm Rebs W. Martinez. And I am the marvelous, magnificent, miraculous Mark Claire. Read comics, change the world. Change the world. Good night, America. Adios. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.